from deep in the heart of Texas. It's time to chain fire some freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tack Podcast, June. What is it, the 15th out there? I believe so. Of 2022, I'm going to have what I hope is is an interesting conversation and enlightens a lot of you out there watching and listening. Uh, I've been uh, talking about on social medias over the last couple of weeks, some of these organizations out there, some of these Second Amendment liberty-based organizations that absolutely get no no recognition, no press for the for the hard work, the valuable work that they're putting in. We're working to change that always on this uh, podcast. We do have our industry guests on, but uh, like to sit down with uh, some of these 2A activists as well. Uh, and today we'll have uh, Derek with Kids Safe Foundation, uh, who we've had on the podcast previously. But uh, hopefully we talk about some new things in light of, of current events and some of the things going on in the country nowadays uh if you are out there in the replay world first of all welcome uh and uh remember that if you do join us live that you are able to participate in the live chat you're also able to uh vote in any polls that we have going on ask uh, questions of our guests that sort of thing Uh, and we do have a poll up uh, at what age should we start educating our kids about firearms Uh, options are younger than five five to eight nine to twelve and 13 and older so um as always we uh, like to uh, give a shout out and thanks to the patreon patron folks uh the youtube channel member folks these podcasts are not monetized and the reason they're not monetized is that we can get by with uh talking about things a little more freely uh, than if they were uh, so thanks to those folks for sure at helping out with that thanks also to those that do throw super chats and do super thanks and shop at clovertech.com slash shop so there we go that uh bloviation is out of the way let's get uh derek in the house how are you man it's it's been a minute it's been a minute it has it has it's been i think you know we just saw each other at shot show but that, you know, other than that it's been been a long time since we've been able to chat right and we didn't i don't think we had a whole lot of time to uh to chat at shot this year it was um, it was different this year than did. Have you seen that? I don't know how many years you've been to shot, but uh, so this was actually my first year, so I don't know. I don't oh, okay. have anything to compare it to. Um, okay, seemed well, like you're it one was of those folks. pretty spread out. I, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so it was my first year. Just as typically, you know, you look at the cost, right? So I, I used to break down the cost before I actually win. Is I could reach you know a thousand kids or fifteen hundred kids with the amount of money it would cost for me to be there at shot show, and so yep. that's why I was like. I, I just decided to go this year and, and see what it is all about and see what I can do to kind of help, help our progress. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I think all of you folks that it was your first year this year, um, I think there's going to be, well, I don't know. I mean, it could continue the trend, but if it goes back to the way it, it used to be, uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a shock uh, when you walk in. It's um, there was a lot more time this year to, have those conversations and talk with those folks. So for, uh, for people like yourself that, you know, need the, the sponsorship, need the partnerships, need all of this other stuff. Um, this year was, I think a, a great year to be there. So I'm glad that you, uh, was there and was able to experience that. 
Um, I want to kick things off here kind of early, Derek. There are folks out there, obviously, and shame on them for not paying enough attention, uh, that do not know about you, that do not know about Kids Safe Foundation. And we'll get into Lucretia Hughes and mentioning her mentioning you guys on uh, Capitol Hill the other day. But, you know, in light of that, there may be people out there that heard that and are thinking, well, what is going on? What is Kids Safe Foundation? So uh, I'll give you a few minutes here at top to bottom. What uh, What is it? What are you guys doing? And uh, give us the rundown. Uh, so the, the Kids Safe Foundation, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. We're, we're based in Oregon. And so we teach firearm safety and accident prevention to kids. You know, we've been a nonprofit since 2016. And since our founding, we've reached about over 25,000 kids in, in five states. We're getting ready to add Idaho in next month. So it'll be six states of, of kids that we've educated and taught them, you know, what to do if they come across an unsecured firearm. Um, you know, what's kind of unique about what we're doing as well is we're actually getting the kids involved in, and teaching them how to shoot as well on the range. And and so it's it's been and, you know, we have some great partners, great sponsors. You know, obviously you brought up the D.C. project. You know, those ladies are doing tremendous work on our behalf in, in D.C. And I, I'm really thankful to have their their belief in, in what we're doing. And so what we're doing is apolitical. It's, you know, you know, it's not, you know, pro-gun, anti-gun. It's it's pro-safety. And so that's why, you know, we're able to make these this, you know, I'm in Oregon, you know, so it's not necessarily the most friendly to guns. And that's why, you know, we've tailored the program the way we've done done it. Um, it's, you know, almost it's very much like water safety. You know, we teach every kid in this country how to yep. swim because we don't want them to drown. That's the same principle here with firearm safety for us. Right. Um, and you guys also work with uh, the legislators, too. I mean, I think last time we had you on mm -hmm. uh, with mm -hmm. kind of drafting some legislation, trying to get some some bills dealing mm -hmm. with you know, youth education and stuff through. So uh, what's been going on on that front since we talked to you last? Anything worthy of note? So I, I, back in 2019, I did write a Senate bill. Senate Bill 801 would have authorized our program for all public school first graders in Oregon, in the state of Oregon. And so that year there was, you know, 37 anti-gun bills. And then there was our bill. And there was only two bills that got a hearing. And ours was one of it, one of them. And it's because wow. it was just, it was, it was, it was one page. It was simple. It was easy to implement because it was written by somebody that's a, a subject matter expert. Right. And so, you know, the fact that we got a public hearing and we we're able to kind of, you know, kind of take the pulse of the public and kind of figure out, you know, is is the are people going to be receptive to what we're trying to do? You know, we we made a tremendous amount of progress. And so we're hoping to go back next year on uh, next session. Um, you know, right now it's very polarizing here in Oregon. You know, obviously you, you're following everything that's happening around the country. And so sure. there, you know, it, it's going to be a little, I think it's going to be more challenging, but I've made some good connections that are, you know, with people on the other side of the aisle from us. And so I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get their support because we're coming at it from an apolitical approach, you know, and, and so I'm hoping that, you know, we can do this again and, and hopefully get it done. Right. And, you know, it's part of that just, just beating on that door, right, or whittling away. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just got to keep on. You got to be persistent. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you guys – I think what you guys are doing, and, and is there any interest – I mean, you talked about expanding to some some other states. Um, have you seen any states that, you know, you haven't expanded to that are looking at – the type of legislation that you proposed? Are there other states that have contacted you or you've talked with about that? Absolutely. So we have partners that are, you know, working in Nebraska, Missouri, you know, we've tried in, in Hawaii, you know, Hawaii is going to definitely be a challenge just because of the way they sit politically there. 
um, you know, Washington, Washington state, you know, and so there's other states that definitely, you know, you know, we'll talk about Missouri, you know, Missouri doesn't have anything against in, you know, uh, statute wise that would prevent us doing this. So it's really kind of an easy, easy way to kind of fit this in and in, into, you know, what they is already legal under state law there. And, right. and so what we're trying to do is just kind of act as kind of a, a surrogate to kind of present the information to the people that need it and, and, and see how we can steer it and, and help support them to, to get it done. Right. So, but it's, you know, obviously everything's, everything's a challenge right now. You know, there's, there's, there's so much misinformation and, and people are focused on so many different things that we're talking about education, especially gun safety education, that mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily get the, you know, the fanfare that it needs. Right. And, and the education aspect has no room for, um twisting words and that sort of thing right i mean that defeats the purpose of education uh, so mm -hmm. when you're you're talking about people that want to throw out terms that don't mean what they think they mean that's very problematic when you're trying to educate people because you, you can't yep. call something what it's not right yeah and it's it's it, we have to be careful about because we don't want to be considered like indoctrinating right there's a lot of indoctrination right. happening around the country and so you know i think it's really really important as we keep that message pure and and it's 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 strictly about safety and we have to talk about how our kids are getting the information currently in their homes you know it could be from you know social media like tiktok it could be from kids youtube it could be regular youtube or it could be you know violent video games and so you'd be surprised how many kids i meet at a very young age that are experts on our rifles because of you know violent video games and, right. and so that's not necessarily the education we want those kids to get you know we prefer you know, teaching them, you know, facts over fear, you know, that's, that's right. our goal. Well, there needs to be a balance, right? I mean, you've got yeah. video games, obviously we've got movies and television and all the, the mm -hmm. nonsense that happens therein. I mean, with video games, you hit a button, you're back alive, you're running around in real life. It don't work like that. Uh, in T in the TV, it's like, okay, well, you know, this guy gets, you know, shot point blank and he's still able to maneuver or do this or do that or you know whatever the case may be right uh unlimited ammunition just all kinds of crazy things that that we see on tv and so i think it's it's striking that balance between it's great i think to have the video games and have the the movies because that sparks interest and intrigue mm -hmm. but then on the, at the same time you have to have proper that's why this this podcast is titled that way you have to have proper education to balance out the the nonsense from the reality i think if we mm -hmm. you know if i think and this is my personal opinion I'm, I'm curious where you come down on this but i think if we if we can balance it out with reality that okay yeah firearms are or they can be fun, you know, they're there for obviously self-protection and hunting and sporting use and a lot of different things, just collecting them. If you think that uh, those particular models are cool, whatever the case may be. Um, but at the same time, uh, there is a reality around it. And I think if we can uh, instill that in kids and, and part of that reality is learning to respect that firearms uh, there's no bidding around the bush can be dangerous, correct? Just like a knife, just yeah. like a chainsaw, just like a lot of other things. Uh, absolutely. And it comes down to, you know, moderation, right? Moderation is really, really important. So, you know, obviously, and, and making sure those games are age appropriate. Obviously, I don't want to spend too much time, you know, taking away from everything else. But I, I, <laughs> right. I think I think it's really, really important is, is, you know, moderation. Make sure the games are age appropriate. You know, there are studies done that, you know, these a lot of these mass shooters, 
you know, they're getting their information from those first person shooters. And, you know, it's made our kids more, more violent and more aggressive, you know, desensitizing to violence. So this is all stuff to kind of think about when it comes to, you know, how the young mind is affected by these video games. And that's why, you know, education, like what we're trying to do and, and say, no, that's not how the gun works. This is how it works. And, and, and in the hand on hands-on aspect is, is really, really important when it comes to the, the safety of the kids. Right. Now, you know, working with, with youth the way you do, I'm sure that when you see instances like Uvalde, uh, when we're talking about these, these mass murders that occur in schools, um, you know, do you adopt, do you have a, a one single solution area, education, for example, security, whatever the case may be, or are you one of the folks that says, hey, this is a, this is a complex problem and Absolutely we have to have multiple solutions for this. I think, I think there's all too many people that say arm the teachers, right? And that's all they put out there is let's arm the teachers. And then there's people that go, well, we need more school resource officers. And then there's people that say, just ban the guns. And they want that one. They think that one approach is going to, is going to work. Uh, obviously education. We've talked about that is the key. What do you think are some other dynamics that could, could curtail some of those tragedies that we see? Well, I, I think, you know, what, what happened in Uvalde was horrific. And, you know, I pray for everybody that's involved. I've, I've had a long couple of weeks dealing with the fallout from that because now it seems like the narrative's kind of sh shifted on social media where everybody's coming at us and calling us like we're trying to arm the next school shooter. And I, I've, I've dealt with, you know, some of the most horrific comments since that situation. You know, sure. I, I think it's not a, it's, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing here. I, I think, you know, we have to look at it from, obviously we need, number one is we need to harden our schools. The fact that that person was able to get into the school is a, is a huge problem. Um, the fact that the, the, the teachers didn't have the ability to defend themselves and the, and the kids, that's another problem. Um, you know, but it also comes down to, you know, you know, what are we doing to our, our children? I mean, what are our kids being exposed to? I mean, why are our kids not being kind to one another? Why are we not being empathetic of one another? And I right. think it's more of a cultural type situation because it's so easy to get on our cell phones. And if we don't like somebody or don't like somebody's opinion, we blast them, you know, from the privacy of our home. And mm -hmm. the problem is, is as an adult, we do that. We, we like to, you know, engage in sword fights online and our kids are seeing that. And so it's, it's easy for them to learn that, that bad behavior. And, and so, you know, I think we should be teaching our kids that if they, if they hear something or, or see something, you know, they need to let somebody know, you know, they're really the first responders here is this, if they see something that's not right, that's happening in that school environment, or there's somebody that maybe, maybe be a threat is, is, is let somebody know. And so we can get the proper right. authorities in, involved. Um, I think there was a lot of, a lot of times where, you know, somebody could have engaged with that, that, that the shooter before this had gotten to this, this point, you know, right. And, and, and so I, I think it's we just need to we need to quit pointing fingers at one another and 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 look at the gun as a tool, not a, as a, a weapon of mass destruction, like it's being called. But we have to look at the behaviors that are allowing these people to get to that point. Right. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm talking, you know, and I, I'm like we have a teen class we're getting ready to launch. And so I'm working on the messaging right there. But part of what I'm talking about the parents is, is obviously, and this is this, this class is designed for teenage kids, right? And young adults. 
And so part of that is I'm, I'm, I want them to be strong, right? So I'm teaching them, I'm talking about, you know, ballistic panels now, something that's, you know, passive, they can have them, have them with them, because obviously we can't rely on the government right now to fix this problem, like right now. And, and right. so there's things that we can do in our everyday life to prepare our kids for the active. We hope it never happens, um, but we want them to be prepared. And, you know, we could also start talking about medical training for them, you know, incorporating yeah. tourniquets or, you know, you know, basic IFACs inside their school bags. I know it's it's a it's a difficult topic for some, but, I, you know, parents like myself and you, I like we would see this as kind of normal. Right. Because this is part of our everyday right. routine is being being a prepared citizen. Um, and another another part of that class is we're actually starting to talk about, you know, civics and explaining nice. about the re responsibility that comes into owning a firearm and how you protect that firearm by making sure you know who you're voting for. And so and then another another realm that we're getting into in that, in that class is going to be teen suicide prevention. And, you know, right. it's way up in Oregon, Oregon. It's up about 60 percent since the pandemic. Right. And and so. You know, we have to give these kids, you know, opportunities to get help that they need um, before they do something that they, you know, regret. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's it's great to see that dynamic at play because, I, you know, I think that, you know, when you see, obviously not all, but when you see things like this happening, you know, in the schools, um, it's almost all, you know, there were identifiers, there were signs. Um, a lot of times there's bullying involved and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we've got to realize, I mean, when I was growing up, it was a suck it up buttercup type attitude. Um, and there's still a lot of that going on. And, and I think that my generation and, and some of the older, older folks don't realize that kids nowadays, it's not, I go to school and in a certain class I get picked on and that's it. And I come home and enjoy the weekend these kids nowadays, it's a constant bombardment on social media yep. or whatever the case may be, right? And that continues yep. and continues. And I think that, uh, you know, education around that is important because not not for the not for the bully or the parents of the bully, although I think that needs to be uh, uh, addressed because a lot of parents, their child does no wrong, right? Even though their child is the bully um, yep. and or the, the child that's being bullied but other kids as well, to be aware, to be able to pick up on those signs and those signals and go to a counselor or whatever the case may be and go, you know, I noticed mm -hmm. that, you know, Dave there is, is, is picking on Johnny an awful lot. Right. And at least mm -hmm. let people know that, that, that dynamic is at play. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's part of, you know, being present in the, in the lives of your kids. Right. Um, uh -huh. I know, you know, everything, you know, everything's up. We have gas prices up, we have food prices up, you know, parents are having to work harder to provide for the kids and the families. And so I understand how it's, it's easy for a kid to kind of fall through the cracks, you know, get involved with, you know, cyber bullying online or, you know, video games is a built-in babysitter. Right. Um, uh -huh. but we have to understand is, is our kids still need us, you know, even though we're, you know, struggling in some, some parts of the country to, to make a living and provide is our kids still need us to be there to kind of be little advocates for them as well. And, 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 and let them know, you know, that we care, there's challenges that they're going to face, but it's how we're going to deal with those challenges. that's going to be really, really important going forward. And, and so, you know, the anti, you know, the bullying part is, is a huge problem. And, you know, we really, you know, we, we need, we should be spending money on mental health. And, and that's another thing right. that's really, really important, you know, is I don't necessarily think, 
that the solution comes from the government. Maybe the government can fund it. The problem that I have with government funding is it's there's always so much money that's fleeced and, and taken advantage of and, and misappropriated, right. you know. Uh, but I, I think in the gun industry, there's a lot of good organizations like mine. Um, you got Walk the Talk America, Hold My Guns. You got all these other organizations that are trying to do the, the work that needs to be done. They just need this, the exposure and they also need the funding. And and so that's kind of, you know, it's time for the the politicians to kind of, you know, put put their mouth where the money where their mouth is and, and help those that are actually doing the work. Right. And I think one of the other dangers that we run into with government funding is, you know, assuming that a program does well anyway mm-hmm. um, and firearm ownership starts to increase, let's say, and, and crime is going down. Well, you've got politicians that if if politicians wanted to fix any of the problems we face, if they wanted to fix them, they could. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I genuinely think that they could. The problem is if they fix them, they're out of a job because if everything in this country is running fine. If we, you know, don't need laws and regulations and, you know, basically all we need is a military to keep foreign countries from invading. If that's all we need, right. Then we've got no need for politicians. And especially we mm-hmm. don't have need for career politicians. Right. Um, so it's one of them things to where by passing good legislation, they can legislate themselves out of a job. And I don't think they want to do that. They also need talking points for reelection. Um, and Absolutely. I think that that a lot of the this is where a lot of the fear mongering, I think, with 2A comes into play is, you know, they, they want to a lot of the elements on the right side of the, the pro-gun argument, you know, really demonize and, and go real heavy after the politicians. And they deserve it. Make no no mistake. Uh, both sides mm-hmm. of the aisle deserve it. But, um, you know, I think they fail to realize that it's like, you know. They say those things to whip you up into a frenzy, to make you look crazy. And that's why they're doing it. They're not saying it because there's any prayer that they're going to get that passed or get that done. Um, Because ultimately, we do have the Second Amendment. Now, at the the time that there is a repeal the Second Amendment movement um, that looks realistically threatening, at that point, then we're dealing like something with what Canada's having now. You know, we can't we can't have that. Um, that Second Amendment is is way more effective at protecting our our rights. A lot of times, than we give it credit, right? Mm-hmm. Because because it's almost passive. It's it's there, right? It, we don't we don't have to depend on it until it's that time, right? Um, mm-hmm. We have to protect it, and that's you know what we're trying to do. I, I think you know what you said was spot on about you know working themselves out of jobs. I think also on the other other uh, other head of that that coin is is the fact the the gun control movement right is the gun control movement really doesn't want a solution because that's how they fundraise right they they oh, it's big money big money yeah. yeah we can we could argue that they truly do not want to do what's right because they're going to lose billions of dollars if if the if the right things were passed right and 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 plus you have to look at they've been they've been fundraising and, and stealing from the, the the taxpayers and and the public for you know 30 plus years or if you look all the way back to 1934 you know on this this guise of, of saving lives and it's never worked it's never designed to work it's all about kicking that can down the road taking away more of our freedoms and it's never truly about saving lives because it was we wouldn't be having conversations about hardening our schools or arming our teachers or having school resource officers we'd already be doing that Right. And so it's 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 a dirty, dirty game. And it's all it it it, all it does is is it takes the the donations, 
goes back to the politicians. The politicians go back to work and get reelected and they can do this, this evil cycle and nothing gets done. And so it's, it's truly sad. Let's, um, I want to step back a second and talk a little bit about the, the programs you got there in the foundation. So mm -hmm. first of all, you talk about implementing the new teen, you know, teen uh, aspect of the program, the way the program, your program is currently set up. What are the age or the age restrictions there? Or are you in, are you just wanting a more targeted program for those older kids? Uh, so, you know, basically what we, we do now, like our, our, our kids fire and safety one class um, is acts of prevention. This one is designed for kids four on up. And okay. what I'm, what I'm realizing is, is when I have, you know, obviously if kids that are not exposed to firearms, they come in, you know, 12, 13 years old, obviously the curriculum's a little bit, but, you know, beneath their, their, their age limit, you know? And so that's why we wanted to incorporate a teen, teen class, which is going to be specifically gotcha. for them. And, you know, so with, you know, and then we do a kids firearm safety two class, which is, you know, that one starts about seven years old and that's rim fires on the range. That was a lot of fun. And so right. there we get to, you know, shoot, shoot about a hundred rounds per class with the kids and they get good repetitions, good habits, you know, good instruction. Um, and then we can repeat that process every month. Uh, and then, so when we're talking about the teen stuff there, there's a, there's a gap when it comes to teens, right? So, you know, the, right. the teens, you know, there's, you have to deal with hormones, you have all these different social pressures. So social there's, there's pressures, a lot. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes yeah. into the teens, but the teens, what we're trying to teach the teens is we want to empower those teens. We, um, you know, we need to teach them, you know, about situational awareness, you know, potential threats that they might face in public or online, online threats. Um, we're right. going to be talking about anti-bullying, the civics aspect where, you know, this is what this vote means. And this is, you know, this, you know, this is how this process works, how a bill becomes a law, right? right. The most mm -hmm. basic stuff that they're probably not getting. And then obviously we're going to follow that up with, you know, the teen suicide and prevention. And so that, I mean, all of that's going to be incorporated into this class and the goal. And then, then we're going to follow up that with a, a, a teen, you know, rifle class and a teen pistol class. And nice. so the goal there, there is, is we're going to be able to do a little bit more structure because we, we have some great new sponsors. You know, we have Hux works that just stepped in as a sponsor, provide us with some suppressors that are going to help kind of make the, the experience more, more oh, comfortable yeah. for the, the teens. Um, and the goal is to kind of get them on this process and this journey. So when they become 18, they can go buy their first rifle or their first shotgun. And the goal is this is how we protect our two-way rights is by getting our, our teenagers involved, letting them know the, what understand the, how the process works, the responsibility that comes with owning a firearm and also how we keep these two-way rights. So everything's going to be part of, part of that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's our hope to, to, to obviously expand this program to other states who we need, you know, obviously cross all those T's and dot those I's, but the whole, whole point is to get more people involved um, and, 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 and be like the opposite of, of what the kids are learning right now. Right. So obviously depending, you know, especially where I, where I'm from in Oregon, you know, there's, there's not a lot of good, like either faith-based or moral-based you know, curriculum available for the kids they are being taught all these horrible things. And so we want to be able to offer like the other side of that, right. It's something that's, you know, right. obviously safety is important, you know, education is important, but also, you know, civics is really, really important. Also, you know, the responsibility with, you know, 
you know, proper ownership of our farms is, is, is important going forward. Now, are you currently using any handguns, any pistols in your program, or is it just strictly rifle at this point? So we're doing a, a teen fundraiser right now. And actually we're going to be buying 10 uh, Ruger Mark fours, the 2245s. Nice. We're going to equip them with the suppressors for that class. That's going to be a two hour class. And so that's going to be, you know, basic, you know, gun handling. We'll do We're going to start from a, like a supported position because of the, the length of the muzzles. And then right. we'll eventually go to an offhand type position. We'll do it really slowly and structured. Um, but the whole point is, is, is you look at our teens, our teens are most likely to come in contact with a handgun. And sure. so we want them to know, you know, you know, how, how we clear a malfunction, how the gun, the semi-automatic cycles and everything like that, how we handle the gun. Um, you know, so, but it's going to be from a real, real safe and structured point of view. Nice. Um, so the problem, we're, the problem we're having is obviously the funding for the fundraiser. And also is finding these, these handguns, these handguns are really, really hard to find um, just because <laughs> right now, they're yeah. all sold out. They're sold out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, everything is. So uh, obviously, I mean, I have, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but I do have a link for kids safe foundation, the website down below. Uh, I'm assuming there's information there on being able to help mm -hmm. support you guys and all that stuff. Correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Good, good deal. Good deal. Because maybe there's some gun shops out there that's listening or whatever. We we never know. So uh, there's there's the needs. So back into more of the the mental health aspect. I think of what we're talking about. You know, the kids. Um, you know, and and it, it borders online. I think with the bullying too. One thing that I've seen over, you know, a couple decades or so with with working with kids in 4-H shooting sports. It's like you know, I've been at competitions and things on a range with seven, eight hundred kids. It's the most friendly, welcoming, and you're talking about kids competing against each other, but it's the most mm -hmm. friendly, welcoming environment that you could ever imagine. One kid helping another kid. Um, they literally step off the firing line. They've, they've shot their course of fire, and there's a kid from a totally different club there that's having some kind of an issue, and, you know, without even thinking, they help them out. Um, you know, they get together, they, they sit around and eat their, whatever lunch is provided, you know, and you've got different kids from different clubs that have never met before carrying you know, every color, race, sex, creed, whatever you, you can think of. Right. Um, and I think, you know, how do, and, and I know why, because the, the anti-gunners, the people that are, are against that, I mean, the more they can divide us as a whole, not just talking about kids, the more control they can maintain obviously um <laughs> that goes without saying but you know if you could ever get some of these people uh to come in and see that how welcoming the environment actually is um i think that's that's when you start changing hearts and minds so i want to speak about your program are there are there elements or stories or things with your program uh similar to that where people were just they were surprised that hey these aren't you know, extremist people. Hey, this is a very welcoming environment. And, you know, did the kids make friends in the program fairly easy? How does that dynamic work? Yeah. So, I mean, everything's a, it's a team sport for us, right? So obviously uh -huh. we have the kids involved. We also have the parents that are there, you know, everybody, you know, everybody, cause it's everybody's job to keep everyone safe. Right. And so, you know, a, a really cool story that I have is I actually, I, I just met with my friend yesterday at the, at the local gun store because her and her husband want to buy their first firearms. 
And, and so I've been kind of helping them with this whole process. And, and she originally reached out to me, you know, a couple months ago. Um, they've had issues with scheduling. I've known her for a couple of years. Um, she did some legal work for me. But as we kind of talked more, I started to learn the history of her and her husband and where they came from. They actually came from China and their first wow. first generation immigrants from China. And nice. he escaped China right before Tiananmen Square. And and so and they actually became U.S. citizens. And so now they have this. And obviously, in the beginning, a couple of years ago, when all the shootings were happening, um, she was very anti-gun. And it's just because of you know where she came from. She came from China. And it was it, it wasn't until she started realizing that it wasn't the guns problem. And then she became more interested in in understanding, you know, what is a gun and what is this process like? And so she reached out to me. Uh, she brought her two sons and, you know, and, and there was kind of a language and a cultural barrier there. But we were able to overcome that. And and now her sons are coming back every month. And now yesterday I met them at the gun store to help them with their first purchase of their farm because they see you know, society changing around them. They're definitely concerned, um, you know, and they feel like they're targeted just because of their, of their race and their racial, you know, their, their heritage. Sure. And, yeah. and what was really, really, and I'm so proud of her and, and him is they understand what that two way, two way right means. And, it, and they came from China where they don't have that right. And right. everybody and all the information is controlled, everything, you know, only the government has the guns and, and people are exterminated over there. And she's told me, told me horror stories. Um, but I'm so thankful that she's here. The kids are learning. Um, the kids are excellent shots. They're very safe, very disciplined. And that's what we're, we're trying to teach is we're trying to teach safety, discipline, respect for our firearms. And our firearms are not going to just shoot and just go off. And, and, and so, you know, that's, that's important. And so I'm going to help them with every step of the process when it comes to proper training. Um, they're going to buy a hit book two handguns and they're going to eventually buy shotguns and then rifles. Um, so they're full on, you know, and they, they really appreciate and respect the two way because what they, what they lived under in, in China. And so it's, it's been a, you know, this, that's what's so important about, you know, what we're talking about is, is this, this right is for everyone. And then, you know, T Tony Simon, you know, I, I love what he does because, you know, yep. the, the second amendment is, is truly for everyone. And this is not something that has to be polarized. And this is something where, Everybody has the same opportunity to be able to have the God-given right to the lawful self-defense. And it, it doesn't come, that permission does not come from government. Um, you know, obviously government is, is trying everything they can to restrict and, and take away that ability. But they have to also have to look at the policies that they're creating that are leading to this, this person needing that firearm. And, you know, she told me a couple of years ago, she never even have thought of, of owning a firearm. Um, sure. you know, she actually marched in anti-gun rallies and all this other stuff because, you know, she would, and she works at a local university. So she kind of sees like the, the professor, wow. she sees all this, like she's in the, the actual belly of the beast. And I'm really proud that she has this stance. Um, right. But it comes down to, she had to get away from, you know, that group think and, uh -huh. and she had to figure out, you know, what's going to work best for her and her family. And that's when the, you know, the doors opened, the, the light bulb came on. And, and that's why, you know, she's going to, you know, be getting, she's actually be a, a new gun owner. So that's pretty exciting. Right. And, you know, and I find that to be the case a lot of times. I mean, when you've got, you know, legal immigrants that, that come in um, and especially depending on where they come from, um, you know, natural 
born American citizens, you know, been here for generations, whatever the case may be, you know, and, and I, I fall into this category because I've, I'm sure I've, I've done it. I'm sure I've taken things for granted, especially in the line of civics, which you talked about earlier. I'm, there's a lot I'm sure I still do take for granted. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's fresh on the mind of a lot of the immigrants. So, um, it's great to have conversations with people like that. Um, if you're out there and you have the opportunity to speak with people like that, because they can help bring you back to center, right? Bring you back to a perspective that, man, I've had this all my life. I haven't had to worry about it. I haven't, you know, um, of course, for those that travel abroad, they know what I'm talking about because, you know, as bad as things are in the United States, they're much, 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 much worse in the vast majority of other countries, if not all other countries. Absolutely. And I, I think it comes down to, is it really that bad? I, I know we're led to believe that it's really bad, but if we talk to, we just have conversation with people. Obviously we all, we all have the same things that we're fearful of. Obviously the rising prices, you know, losing our jobs because of, you know, the economy. Sure. So I, I, I don't think the divide is as big as it's made out to be in the media. And I, I think right. the me, the media like I really didn't care for what you know Matthew Matthew McConaughey said, um, and in his speech last week, I really. But he had the only point I really did like about it is he talked about we can't be glorifying this in the media, right? Oh and yeah, I yeah, think, absolutely. That's still I, like that was spot on. We have to, and he has to. You said we have to encourage the 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 family. Like I really respected that part, but the problem I have is is he's acting, like he's turning on these tears. Um, that's right. what he does. He gets paid to do that. And all of this, the problem I have is these people that come out against our guns that are actors, they all have armed security. They also make millions of dollars off of guns in their movies. You know, so I have a hard time taking these people seriously because, uh-huh. you know, they're not going to be the one they have a, they have a gate, they have a wall. Um, and all of us are, we're supposed to just, just deal with it. I I, I don't right. buy that. And I, I, I reject that actually. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we've got, uh, some, some chat out here. I think that, uh, I think this is interesting. Uh, we've got a gunmetal guy out there. He says, have a large number of schools drop their gun safety programs. If they had any to begin with, uh, within the last decade or so and the tank down here, um, he says, uh, I've never heard of gun safety classes, even here in Texas. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll let you address it as far as you know, what you know, nationwide. Um, but yeah, I would echo Tank that uh, you know I don't hear of any quote unquote gun safety classes, anything that's that's taught in school now. With that being said, there are more and more. I do see more and more ROTC, you know, uh, shotgun club style things happening in some school districts, mm-hmm. not just in Texas but across the country. And obviously, there is an element of gun safety and that sort of thing i mean you can't have shooting mm-hmm. sports without without the safety aspect of it um but yeah i mean there there hasn't been a a, a what would the word be Derek? like a regulated it's not hasn't been part of the curriculum i guess is a good no. way to put it right uh in many yeah. decades yeah and there's i mean obviously i my my response would be why not <laughs> why yeah. not it's it's something yeah. that's so basic is is you know we're teaching fire safety we're talking dare you know we're talking about sex ed in schools you know why aren't we talking about firearm safety um and and starting at a young age obviously we're talking about high school with the shooting sports 
you know, those kids have already made it through the accident prevention part, right, of their of their lives. And they're going to be most vulnerable from about four to eight years old. And and so that's why I went for the first grade. And so it just comes down to keep putting in the work, you know, having these conversations with people like you that are getting the message out there and then having people say and reaching out to their local, either their school board or their local legislators. And why not? Why don't we have this? And yeah. and so, you know, it's if we do something proactively and and introduce something like this when it comes to gun safety or firearm safety, however you want to call it, it's. Mm-hmm it's we're going to get less of a negative interaction from the other people, right. That don't necessarily think about this. And they want, they want to go full on restrict and ban as opposed to, well, what if we did this? And what if we just changed this just a little bit, which might set us on a little bit of a different course, a course correction, which might help save lives, you know, in in young children by educating, educating them, which is going to lower statistics, which at at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do, right? Whether we're moms demand action or us, right? It's all about supposedly saving lives, right? Only well, some know how to do it, though. Yeah, I think I think number one, if we're genuine and sincere, yes, that's what we're trying to do. Because I think there mm-hmm. are people out there that are not genuine and sincere. They're chasing the dollar. They're chasing re-election. They're chasing something else. It's a pathway. It's a means to an end. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you have to weed out those. But I've got to believe that even, and I know you've, uh, uh, I don't want to say worked with, but I know that you've, uh, you know, had some some experiences with moms groups and other things. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I got to think that the, the vast majority of the rank and file people that are, that consider themselves members of, let's say, a moms demand action. They're just believing the rhetoric that's being thrown down Absolutely. to them. They're not really questioning mm-hmm. anything. And at the end of the day, yes, they want to save lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so the beginning of our program, for when I was in the design phase of our program, it took about two years of hard development. to de- I went to a lot of Moms Demand Action meetings. I went to, I went to the rallies. I went to their – because I had to be in that space. Uh, I had to understand what their fears were. I had to understand, you know, what the what makes them think the way they do so I could tailor my message to, to reach their kids. And, right. you know, just because they don't have guns, they're afraid of guns, don't think for a second that their kids can't be exposed somewhere else. And so, yep. you know, in in the past, I've seen, you know, people come out and they say, why is this person talking to a mom's demand action group? And you know what I mean, is it's because they're not comfortable being able to have that conversation. And right. being able to stand on their own alone with their on their convictions and their principles. And I was able to do that. And I was able to keep my cool, even though I did not agree with anything that they had to say. But yep. in that in the in those meetings, I was able to change and deflect the conversation. Right. So when they're talking about assault right. rifles, I started talking about modern sporting rifles. Right. When they started talking about, you know, s- suppressors, I started talking about silencers, you know, so. It was it was in those situations that I was able to actually get proper terminology and proper use of firearms into these conversations that these people never would have had these conversations without someone like myself being there. And and so, you know, I, I shouldn't be viewed as a traitor. I should be viewed as somebody that was just trying to put themselves in a position to be successful down the, down the road. Um, right. You know, and that's that's what I advocate is if you guys can can do what I just mentioned and do it in a calm and an effective manner to be able to, ed, you know, educate or converse with those that don't agree with you, then we're all going to be further ahead. Um, this whole, yeah. you know, 
this side against this side, nothing's getting done. And so we're in, here in the middle. I know you're just like me. We're sitting here in the middle. We got somebody over here and then we got somebody over here. And so right. if you guys would just sit down for a moment and just open these ears and our minds, we can get some done. And right. I'm not and talking not. about for, I'm not, and I'm not talking about yeah. further, you know, I'm no, I'm not, I lost my train of thought, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not talking about, you know, we're not saying that you have to sit down and agree or end up walking away in agreement um, with that. But, you know, it's, you know, talking about being called a traitor. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've heard that. I'm sure there's lots of people out there that have, that have talked to the opposite side. Um, our, were spies ever called traitors? I mean, I guess if you were a double agent, maybe, but like legit uh, intelligence officers and, and that sort of thing. Are those folks traitors? Because those are able to go in and infiltrate, you know, a, a group, whatever it be, a government, whatever, and they get along and they hang out with them and they, you know, enjoy past, past same pastimes and all this other stuff. And they're steadily gaining information sometimes they're not just gaining information but they're planting seeds right certain seeds of discontent mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be too um and i talk about that a lot like give somebody when you talk about firearms there's a, there's you know there's obviously there's death involved because of you know firearm related homicide firearm related suicide those sorts of things and so when you're dealing with death you get a a visceral like emotional response there a lot of times right mm -hmm. so you're you're dealing with emotion um and a lot of it is, is experience based so i think that when you're talking to people like that you're right you've got to have just a calm conversation um make your case you know correct any terminology correct any you know misinformation that they may have if they don't believe you that's fine they say i don't believe that don't go off you know get all crazy mm -hmm. uh maybe say hey check out this source look this up you know mm -hmm. and then hey have a good day it was great talking with you have a good day mm -hmm. next week mm -hmm. next month next year something happens in their life right and it clicks it's kind of like the uh the chinese people you were talking about something happens in their life and it just clicks and they go you know, I had a conversation with a guy a few weeks ago and, you know, what he said kind of makes sense now. Why? Because they've experienced something in their life that now they can relate a little better to what you were talking about. Absolutely. And that's it's about being a resource for those people. Right. Because if you do not have any kind of personal connection with these people, they will continue to think the way they think because of the information that's presented to them. And, you know, one, you know, when I lost my train of thought, I was talking about compromise. Like I'm, I'm not meeting with these people to compromise. Okay. I already have my line in the sand. I already know what's acceptable for me in my life and the things that I do. And I'm not meeting with them to compromise on my, on my rights. That's, I'm going to take that off the table. Um, but I, I have to be in those positions to listen to, because these are the people that are on the ground, right? right. It's, it's where they're getting that information from the mothership, which is back in New York, Bloomberg's office, to the, the boots on the ground. How is that information changing from that point? Because I, I get their email right. alerts every day. Um, you know, I'm signed up for How the are they disseminating? Blast. How are they disseminating Absolutely. the talking points, right? Absolutely. Because um, if I know where they're going with the, the, the conversation, I can be ahead of it and, and I can be waiting for them. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to go here. Well, have you thought about this? 
you know, um, you know, prime example today, I just got an email from today talking about how Facebook is allowing, you know, gun people to sell stuff on Facebook and they can get warned up to 10 times before they're kicked off of Facebook. Right. So this is, this is coming from mom's man action. Right. So, um, so what, what the, what, what they're doing, you know, nonchalantly is saying that that Facebook needs to further restrict and, and, and censor our voices. You know what I mean? And, and so like, that should be a problem. You know, we should be obviously big tech shouldn't have the power that they do over our lives. Right. And and they shouldn't be able to, to, you know, stop what we're doing. Like, you know, what's happening on our Instagram account and our TikTok and our Facebook. I mean, we are highly shadow banned because of the information that we're putting out to the public and it's not doom and gloom. It's not fear. It's all positive vibes and, you know, good stuff, but people are not seeing it because they don't want it to get out. Um, right. Which, you know, one could argue that that actually puts kids at, at risk, right? If we're not going to be able to get people into Oh, it absolutely does. Because, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know, we could say that, you know, and that's a pretty, I don't want to, I don't want to get too doom and gloom, but they could say, you know, we could say that they're trying to hurt kids, you know, and I, yeah. I, I hate to go there, but it's, you know, that's kind of the way I feel personally. Yeah. No, I mean, so, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it goes back to, you know, what I said about if you have people that are screaming and, you know, stuff and seeming unreasonable. And I'm talking about the pro-gun side, right? We're talking about the extreme mm-hmm. pro-gun side. We all know mm-hmm. who those folks are in the community. We have them. Mm-hmm. And God bless them. We need them because that's the balance to the same side on the left. Um, but, yeah. you know, sometimes those people actually do get promoted. It, which is frustrating because those folks mm-hmm. get promoted and the normal people in the middle are seeing them as crazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. if they would promote somebody more mainstream, somebody more calm, somebody more positive, right? Well, that's dangerous because now you've got a situation where that calm person can potentially sway those other people in the middle. Whereas the person that's being extreme just looks like a goofball. Absolutely. It comes down to is, you know, Facebook's been busted before is, is they, they want that negative energy and a negative interaction because that drives clickbaits and, and sells ads. You know what I mean? So they want this division. Um, one thing I want to address in the comments here um, is the change needs to occur. A gun metal guy, USA. So the change needs to occur in inner cities yep. and, and stop the infection of spreading to the rural. I, I believe people need hope, right? People need opportunities. Yeah. And I, I, I no, understand that, con- that comment. And I think there is some truth to that, but I also think that it com- comes down to leadership in those cities that is, is, is let the cities decay. Hasn't given people opportunities. You know, we have, you know, hip hop music. We have all this other stuff that glamorizes violence yeah. as opposed to, you know, glamorizes safety. Right. And I'm going to kind of date myself. But I remember back, I think in the '90s, there was a, you know, the, the, there was a hip hop thing that came together because there was lots of violence in like in the in California, right? So there was we were all in the the same gang. So basically, they had all these people that came together, and they did all this hip hop stuff. But there were it was it was a way to to bring people together, as opposed to and it's you know. I don't know if it worked or not, but it was it was it was that type of messaging that it was more unifying than you know, red versus blue, like what's happening right now. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tank out there. He's, he's elaborating on that. He said, inner city schools 
are not where this type of stuff is going on. And I mean, and, and that's true for the most part. I mean, you yeah. see a lot of, you see a lot of inner city violence in general. Um, but when we're talking about specifically schools being targeted, right, it's usually suburbia. It's usually that type of a type of a setting, um, which, which just goes to show you that when we're talking about firearm related death, large portion, roughly two thirds, right? Suicide. That's a whole separate set of solutions that need to be proposed there than anything else. Then when we talk about accidental deaths, right? That's education related. Suicide is a mental, mental health for the most part. Uh, mm -hmm. Then you have accidental. Well, that's education, right? Then you mm -hmm. have the, the homicides, right? And you can break those down. Homicides are, you know, cop on to civilian, civilian on to law enforcement. Um, it's between gang. Sometimes it's domestic violence, right? And each mm -hmm. one of those has, has their own specific little things that when we talked about the all of all of the above solutions, right, for the school issue earlier, each one of those also has their all of the above solutions. It's not you you can't you can't find you, there's not a common denominator like the weapon, the, the the device, the tool, the whatever used is not the common denominator. There is no common mm -hmm. denominator as far mm -hmm. as a cause. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, when we talk about inner city. We're talking about a different, at least for me, I'm talking about a different type. I'm not talking about the violence in school. I'm talking about a totally other uh, sector of violence. And when you're dealing with that, for me, it is, it's, it's socioeconomic, right? Mm -hmm. What if mm -hmm. the inner cities had better living conditions? What if mm -hmm. the better cities, uh, what if there was the, the family dynamic was more in play, right? Or at least I don't want to get too crazy on the family dynamic because I understand that, that a lot of times that's not possible for many, many reasons. Um, but that's when you have, you know, when you talk about the lack of a father in the home, well, maybe there yeah. is, maybe there's a neighbor that steps in, right? Maybe there's a teacher that steps in. Maybe there's a, a an uncle that steps in, right? Uh, maybe it's an older brother. We've seen that dynamic through the years play in, in specific cases. But, you know, I think there's a family uh, dynamic issue. I think there's a socioeconomic issue. I think there's mm -hmm. a, with the inner city, especially when the family unit starts to break down, we all want to be humans are kind of a tribal creature in a way. And we all want to be a part of a family and, and friendship and family and all that stuff typically is important to us. So if you're not finding that in the home and your school is a rundown piece of garbage, so you're not really finding it there either, then where are you going to find it? Right. You're probably yeah. going to find it with the guys on the streets and the guys on the streets are probably not the most upstanding law abiding citizens out there. Why? Because you know, again, of socioeconomic issues, they can't find good jobs that, that pay good money. They haven't got a good education because the schools suck. It's just this multi-tiered, every type of violence that we look at, call it, you know, call it the gun violence. I hate calling it that. But each specific type has its own set. And that's where I'm going with this, has its own set of problems that require different solutions. And nobody wants to talk about that. I do. I do because I think you know I I I value I value all human life, right? So it doesn't right. matter. Like I want like my biggest thing is I want to go to the south side of Chicago because I have you know Rhonda Zell, my friend there. Um, I want to go there oh, yeah. and reach those kids. I because I want those kids to know that I care for them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's where I see NRA in the chat here. You know, NRA 
obviously yep. it's it's they've fallen from grace um it's a tremendous organization that really is not necessarily relevant anymore and and so part of you know they pretend to be but they're not they got away from what they were intended to be now they're spending more money you know in in court than they are actually trying to protect our rights and so right. you know we're talking about safety programs safety they, they haven't evolved their program since you know the late 90s and it's the same stuff and it's not, hasn't evolved they don't understand that that there's new things that the kids are you know being exposed to inside the school setting and that's why you know small organizations like my mine you know we're able to be more nimble we're able to do the research because we have the doctors and the clinicians across the country that are helping us out so if there's something new that pops up we're able to act so much faster and quicker to have a solution for these problems as opposed to this huge conglomerate that everybody brings up of the nra yeah 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 well yep. you know it's we we just need to to understand that you know there's other play, people that are doing important stuff in place of the NRA and the NRA and, and the NRA members should be supporting this. If you, if you feel in, in kind, um, but we're truly doing the ones, the cutting edge stuff that's helping to protect those kids. So, right. Uh, um, yeah, I see you guys. I mean, the big organizations, I think there's a place for them. I mean, I mean, even the NRA, I mean, you know, they are, if nothing else, they're a big, huge target and bullseye that yeah. the, the distracts a lot of the anti-gun element they always mention the nra well we always laugh when they do that because we're like if you only knew uh, the nra right it's like you have no clue uh but yeah attack them that's great they've got the money and yeah. the, the power and the clout and everything else they can withstand those attacks you go attack that 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 straw man that's fine um but then we've got other bigger organizations, Second Amendment Foundation, of course, Foreign Policy Coalition, yep. GOA, yep. uh, all of that. What I see with with like you guys, with like Kids Safe, with uh, Walk the Talk America, Hold My Guns, DC Project, Good Lord, Guns for Everybody, 2A4E, I can go down the list. Um, I see the big organizations as like the branches of the military, right? They're these, they're these big, huge kind of things that have moving different moving parts and pieces and everything else like they can do a lot of different a lot of different things whereas you guys are the specialist right they're the general let's let's put it in medical terms they're a general practitioner you guys are the specialists and so when mm -hmm. you've got specific issues that we need to address um you know that's that's why you know i say to the folks out there learn a lot of these smaller organizations like kids safe foundation like the dc project learn these that way when you're having your conversations with you know somebody that may be middle of the road maybe that person seemingly anti-gun whatever the case may be you can plant those seeds and if those people go and look you guys have it down for that particular topic because you eat sleep mm -hmm breathe that particular topic right you don't go off into you know all kinds of other other different avenues or for the most part you don't you stay within that wheelhouse that makes you an expert yeah. in the subject matter right absolutely and and so one thing i, I want to make clear is I, I like i support the nra i'm not i'm not trying to attack the nra um, i am an nra instructor i'm also a chief range safety officer so i like I see the value in the NRA. Um, I, I just think that it's, it's, we need, we need better leadership, at, you know, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. Um, uh -huh. So I see yeah. something in there. Yeah. People need yeah, to they, make, make their own decisions. You know, they, they need options. People need options. Right. Uh -huh. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, Tank out there uh, was elaborating a little bit. He said, my comments are specific to, to, to schools slash education. He says, of course, we have gun safety trainings, but those are uh, mostly for adults, teens, through external means, a few of which that uh, he says he's involved in. He's actually doing his RSO certification as we awesome. speak. So awesome. uh, good stuff, Tank. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've yeah. seen Tank. Uh, been on some panels with Tank. He's uh, yeah, definitely doing some some good stuff in those in those areas. So as we're kind of winding That's... down top of the hour, I, I, I do have a, a question that I was going to hit on earlier. Okay. Well, we were you were talking about we were talking about shadow banning on social media. We we're talking about you know where you are there in Oregon, not the most pro gun friendly place. As far as your program and getting out the invites, getting the word out, how do you acquire the the, the families, the the people coming in to participate in the program? What's the what's that battle been like, and what have you found is your best strategy for making that happen? Well, unfortunately, uh, I, I, I did a 90 day stint in Facebook jail, which really <laughs> hurt my ability to, you know, it was over a meme from like 2016 or 2017, oh, nice. you know, retroactive. Um, we love that. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And, and so, you know, that really hurt our ability to, to reach out, reach the public. Typically people can find us on our Facebook page. They can see our calendar there. Um, you know, we have, yeah, everything's updated and also they can find us on our website as well. That's kind of the the best way for us because we don't spend a lot of money on, you know, marketing, you know, we don't, right. you know, we just, right. we put it out there to, to social media and, and we put out a good message is positive. And for the most part, everybody responds really, really well. I mean, obviously the last couple of weeks have been really, really challenging because of what happened in Uvalde. And I spent a lot of time, you know, putting out fires there. And, and, and so, but I, I understand the, the emotion behind what happened, you know, 19 kids. I mean, that's, that's horrific. And, but I, I just want people to know that, you know, we're doing everything we can to be a solution and, and, you know, we never ever want to see that ever happen again. And so we just, we just have to be mindful of the way we educate our kids. Uh, we got Kevin out there asking, do, do you have any kids safety classes in Texas? Actually? Uh, so. Yes. Yes. I'll be in, I'll be in Dallas in the end of September and I plan on, uh, I'll be at a local Bass Pro Shop or Cabela's. I'll do a class there. I'll put it right. on our Instagram and our Facebook page so you guys can get involved. I don't know where you're at in Texas, but everywhere I travel, I try to I try to do a, a, a class or a couple of classes just to kind of, you know, right. ex expand our outreach, get more people involved from the local community. Because, you know, when it comes down, when we're ready to go national. We're going to need good instructors. We're going to need good volunteers to help help this, you know, this ship get going. So, right. Right. Um, now, when the people when you have people that that see your social post or whatever the case may be, and they're curious about, you know, coming to, uh, you know, one of your classes or whatever, do you typically have a lot of questions beforehand through DMs or maybe over the phone and then people show up or do, do people just show up? Uh, typically, I do. I get a lot of like am I registered emails? Cause, um, my, our website doesn't send them a confirmation email, which is something I probably need to fix. Uh. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, we have classes, you know, a couple classes here that are, you know, at local PDs, like police departments, and they literally fill 80 seats in an hour and a half. I mean, and it's all through word of mouth. I mean, some of these cities, we actually have city councilors sharing our posts, um, trying nice. to get their constituents to go to the classes. So like it's a, it's all hands on deck. And so wherever we go, 
you know, the people, they want to get involved because they see the value in what we're trying to do. And I think that that's what's really, really important about, you know, you know, being positive on social media as much as it it's hard to be positive sometimes because of all the stuff that we see. If we're able to present a positive man, uh, a message, you know, we're going to track that back. And that's, you know, that seems to be right. working for us. Right. Uh, Bull out there, he's saying uh, Parks and Wildlife has some education safety programs. And in most states, cool. yes, they do. Um, the the difference, I think, between between what Derek's doing here with Kids Safe Foundation and, you know, your, your state parks and wildlife or even, you know, where my background, of course, is in 4-H shooting sports, um, is you lose a lot of the civics um, and a lot of the... Um, you know, things start getting close to the political. And when you're, you're dealing with like 4-H shooting sports, for anybody that doesn't know, basically go to your uh, your agri-life department, your agricultural uh, college that services the, the state, whatever that may be here in Texas, Texas A&M. Um, and usually your 4-H programs are through that particular college. They'll put you in touch with the agricultural extension agent in your county. And that's how you start a, a 4-H program or, or find one, be it whatever. It doesn't have to be shooting sports. It can be raising goats. It can be anything. Um, but mm-hmm. it's since it's tied into the state, you know, is the problem that I have with 4-H. And I believe green. I love 4-H. It's a great program. Um, the political, right? You've got to be really careful how you, you know, you can talk about some civics and things like that, but you got to be really careful on the, on the political side of things. Um, and that's the mm-hmm. only drawback as far as straight up firearm education. Yeah. Some of those programs are, are, are phenomenal without a, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I speak really highly of the 4-H. I, I've known a lot of kids that have come through the program that I've met and they, they do really good work. We're on the same team. And that's the thing is, is we just have different lanes. You know, we're on the same team, right. like from the NRA all right. the way down. We're on the same team. I, I, so I did see your video the other day that you did about, you know, talking about the armed forces and all that stuff. <laughs> I really enjoyed that analogy. I think that was a, I, I like to think of us as more of a, a, a QRF, like a quick reaction force. Cause we're able right. to, we're, yeah. we're nimble, right? I don't have 80 different directors that I have to answer to, to, to ask a right. question, you know, there's, or get on the same page. Like herding cats, yeah. right? Sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yep. No doubt. We'll get no there. doubt. Um, so yeah, we're we're over our hour. We're gonna we're gonna try to get out of here. Let's let's close this poll right quick. You've got just a few seconds to vote in that. At what age should we start educating our kids uh, about firearms? Younger than five, five to eight, nine to twelve, thirteen and older. So uh, if you're out there, if you haven't voted, vote in that. We're gonna close it out. Derek, I want to give you a um, couple minutes here, much time as you need, of course. I do have a link for Kids Safe Foundation below. Uh, anything coming up, anything anybody needs to be aware of, things you want to put on their radar, other social media avenues, contact avenues for you, uh, I'll let you run with that. Okay, so uh, exciting is we're headed to Idaho. So in July, um, this is going to be our first opportunity to go into Idaho. We're setting classes right now. So if there's anybody in Idaho that knows anybody that wants to come see us, um, we're probably going to be doing some range stuff there. Also, our Kids Farm Safety One classes. Um, you know, so we we travel all over the West Coast. And and so also you can get involved with our team, team project as well. And so, you know, obviously we're asking for help there to, to buy some, upgrade some rifles, you know, buy some handguns and equip those rifles and, and handguns. Um, and, and 
every every penny stays inside of our program. So we do not, you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm a volunteer. All of our, our staff are volunteers. All of that money stays within our program and it goes to to help us reach more kids, to get them involved in the shooting sports. You know, as as I just ex- explained about my friends from China, you know, that's how your your support helps us reach those that need us to get them involved. And that's ultimately right. going to help protect our two-way rights going forward. And, you know, with the, I, I look forward to the, the team classes kicking off and being able to, to reach that next next generation of gun owners that are, are, are ready to exercise their, their votes and also exercise their, their two-way rights. Right. And I definitely want to have you back once you get those team classes kicked off, get several under Absolutely. your belt uh, and kind of mm-hmm. compare what you've done previously to how those are those are going. Uh, as far as the poll, at what age should we start educating our kids about firearms? Uh, five to eight with 42 percent of the vote, younger than five at 38 percent of the vote. So vast, vast majority, eight or younger. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, nine to 12, 19 percent. And thankfully, 13 and older says zero. I think we got to reach them much quicker than yeah. 13. So I agree with the poll there. Uh, you guys did a, did a good job on that. I would so, say yeah. if we look at the data, four to eight is going to be that really, really important time. And so obviously have conversations, especially if you carry a gun concealed, the gun's going to be in their face. It's going to be in a holster. It's going to be part of your daily routine. Have conversations, teach them that it's a, a tool, not a toy. Um, and that way they're not going to be, they're going to be less inquisitive. They're less likely also proper storage of that gun when it's not on your person. Really, really important. We don't need a national mandate. Okay. We just need to kind of think, uh, change the way we think about how we support secure our firearms. Right. Right. So, We've got uh, tank out there. He says, uh, I say it really depends on the child to be honest. Um, yeah, I thought about that. I thought about that when I wrote the poll, but I said, start education in the poll. I didn't yeah. say put them on a trigger. I didn't say. Yes. So yeah, I mean the, le- the level at which you take that education is, I think is definitely dependent mm-hmm. on the maturity of the, of the child. Um, mm-hmm. But getting them started, I think where they're aware that it is a thing that we need to be safe with it uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there doing, doing, uh, doing the responsible thing. I know a lot of parents that, they let their younger kids, they've never pulled a trigger, but they let them help clean the firearms. And they, they, you know, it, it quells that curiosity, right? The kids know they're around. Mm-hmm. They know it's a machine. They know it needs to be maintained. Uh, I know people that take their younger kids out to the range and the kids help them put up targets, right? But mm-hmm. they're also white wearing iron ear pro, you know, and all of that stuff. They never really pull the trigger, but they pick up brass. My kids did that when they were younger. We're out on the parade, mm-hmm. you know, picking up brass for me. So um there's a there's a place for that, I think, even before they start pulling triggers to to kick that education in. And I think uh I think the poll reflected that. Uh yeah, Derek, appreciate it, my friend. Yep. Uh a pleasure as always. So you can find us on our, our website, kidssafefoundation.org. There's two S's also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So thank yeah. you for the opportunity. Absolutely. And you're welcome back anytime. Uh, thanks to uh, all those out there that uh, are in replay, especially in one an hour and uh, about 11 minutes. Now you're troopers. We'd love you. Everybody that participated in the chat, great conversation out there, great questions and other things, especially uh, I think Tank and, and maybe Kevin out there were in Gunmetal Guy, really mm-hmm. killing it uh, today. So we appreciate that. Uh, this podcast is done. Till next time, don't forget.
to Chain Fire Freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out Clovertack.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Clovertack Podcast.